Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mission Success Women in Multifamily, the monthly podcast series dedicated to female leaders in the multifamily industry. I am Laura Kaluger, Senior Editor with Multi-Housing News. Today, we'll be talking about one of the most stringent issues in the industry, finding and retaining top talent in this tight labor market. Lauren Anali, Senior Vice President and Chief Talent Officer with Swinnerton, is here to share her insights. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Thank you for having me. So how did you find yourself working in the construction industry? Well, this is a pretty easy answer for me. Um, My dad actually owned a small construction company in Virginia, where I grew up. Uh, And it was actually started by my grandmother, who was one of the first women to own a real estate business in the state of Virginia. And then when my dad took it over, uh, he knew construction. That was the business he he was coming from. So he turned it into a construction company. Uh, So I grew up with Christmas presents wrapped in blueprints and spending (laughs) afternoons after school at his office, building things in the shed. Uh, It's probably a little more dangerous than it should have been for for an elementary school kid, but it was fun. And, and I think that's what introduced me to the, the fun of building and construction. Um, and I did, you know, as I got older, I spent summers working for him as well. Um, so I just kind of grew up in the business. And what was your view of the industry before entering it? I mean, you were in the industry ever since you were a little girl, but I'm, I'm guessing your views changed as time passed. How much have they yeah, changed? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, watching my dad, you know, and, and being around him, I think I always knew that it was hard work. Um, and I think certainly stressful work. Uh, I knew that it was very tangible, right? Because you can right. see these, these products that you're building. Um, I, I, my perceptions, were, it was exciting. It was down to earth, right? I, I met all of the people that worked with him and, and for him and his business partners, um, I knew it was definitely not monotonous. Every, every project <laughs> was completely different and presented its own set of challenges. Um, and it was just full of problem solving, which I, I've always really enjoyed. Um, and, I, and I just thought it was, I, I can't think of a better word, but it was just neat, right? To walk around a construction site, um, both when it's just footings in the ground and then when it's a finished product. Uh, it was just really fun to do that as a kid and, and, and grow up around that. Now, having been in it for over 17 years, um, all of that still holds. I, I think it's still really exciting work. I think it is very hard work. Um, it's extremely relationship-based. It's, it's not monotonous. Some of the other things um, that I've observed just over the years now being in it um, that I just wouldn't have known as a, as a kid or, or my younger self um, is that you know it is a very complex business. Um, mm-hmm. a, across the value chain, wh- which I think is interesting. I think from the outside in, you know, people walking down the street, they see construction and it looks, you know, oh, you, you put a building up and, and that's all there is to it. It's just the building piece. But there's so much more complexity that goes into it from insurance to technology to accounting. It just, I, so I think I've learned that over the years. Um, I think, you know, it is somewhat of an insular industry, Right. Mm-hmm. I think most of the, the businesses tend to promote with it from within, which I think is a really good thing. Um, but we don't end up pulling a lot of talent from outside of the industry, um, which I think is a miss. I think we have a real opportunity there, but I think it is kind of an insular industry. Um, and it does seem to be lagging in certain things behind other industries. You know, what really, I think, opened my eyes to some of the opportunities we have was taking two years off and going back to business school 
and really seeing what a lot of other industries are doing. And so I think we still have a lot of opportunity to, to push the industry forward, but all of those really exciting things that I observed as a kid, they still remain for me. It's, it's fun. It's, it's people-based, it's problem solving every single day. Um, it's, it's tangible uh, and it's just, it's great work. And it's satisfying to see how a, a project, I don't know, uh, comes to life. Exactly. What is the biggest pro and con to being a woman in this male-dominated industry? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's always a tough uh, question to answer because I've never been a man. In the <laughs> right. Um, but I think, you know, I think that women can naturally bring different perspectives and skill sets um, that others do recognize as valuable. And because of that, um, you know, I think that, it, it, you know, you have a real opportunity to contribute um, in a, in a distinct and, and value added way. So, um, I think, you know, that, that would be a pro. I think the other part of being a pro as a woman in a male dominated industry is kind of setting the example and paving the way for others, right. And continue to continuing to build that representation and feeling like you're part of that. Right. And, and right. being able to give back and mentor, other young women entering the industry or, or thinking about enter, entering the industry. So I think that's really exciting. Um, the only con I could really think of, and this has become palpable for me in the last four years, um, we uh, had a child about four years ago, so he's four and a half. And, you know, I do think that balancing home responsibilities with work responsibilities in a way that um, many men don't have to can be mm -hmm. difficult, right? And I, one of the things I think people don't think about, and I've always kind of joked that eventually I'm going to start a childcare business for people in construction because there's <laughs> a white space there because there's no daycare in the country that opens on the hours that we work, right? Mm -hmm. Most construction sites, you're on site. Well, they'd like you to be on site at, at 6 a.m., 6 to 7 a.m., right? And if right, you have right. a 45-minute commute, there's no childcare that you can drop your child off at 5 a.m. Um, and, and then certainly there's long hours and, and you don't want to leave your kid, at, you know, in childcare 14 hours a day. So I just think some of those logistics um, and, and trying to balance um, just the nature of the work with the responsibilities at home, there are periods in life where that can be very challenging. A great business idea. <laughs> I, hey, I'm going to do it someday. <laughs> What trait would you say is most needed to succeed in this industry? Is it sheer confidence? Is it something else? Man, okay, that was a really hard one. I think first and foremost is resilience. You have to be resilient in this industry, I think, to, I don't want to say survive, but to thrive for 30 to 40 years. Um, in this business. It is not an easy business. And there's a lot of businesses that aren't easy. So I don't think that's necessarily bad to say. Um, but you certainly have to be resilient, I think, to, to succeed and thrive in this industry. I also think you have to be emotionally intelligent, right? The ability mm -hmm. to self-assess and self-manage and read others is critical in this business. I think of late, you have to be adaptable. There's just, everything is changing. Everything on the job site changes. Everything in the industry changes. Everything in the macro environment is Yeah, changing. flexibility is a must yeah. in all industries. So, and that, exactly. And that kind of comes back to that resilience, right? Is adaptability and resilience. And then I do think you kind of mentioned it leading in, um, but you've got to have some confidence. 
right? You've got to be confident to confident to make decisions, to speak up, to negotiate. It's just a, a business uh, that requires that by its nature. So got to have some confidence. I agree. Now you're focusing on talent management and recruitment. Why did you decide to pivot toward HR? <laughs> so I, I feel like I knew really early on um, that the talent side was something that was very interesting to me. Um, even as a project manager running work, I always really enjoyed uh, the part of my job that was mentoring project engineers, getting involved with the local recruiting, you know, thinking about team composition and team performance and, and building teams. All of that really interested me. Uh, but what really, I think, uh, pushed me towards that as a career was when I took two years off to go back to business school. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a lot of courses in the, the management um, change management, organizational design, organizational effectiveness space. Uh, and also I took a course that was really impactful called Leading from the Executive Chair, where they had a different chairman or CEO from major companies across the globe come in and just talk about their experience. And one of the common threads across all of those discussions was that it's all about leadership competencies to be successful. Things like willingness to take risks, the ability to think strategically, decisiveness. It's all about your talent and and developing those leadership competencies in your talent for for people and for businesses to be successful. So when I came back from from business school, even though I I took a position, I won't go down that rabbit hole right now, (laughs) a lot of different (laughs) positions, but um, even though I had kind of a day job, one of the things that I was really pushing with our leadership was let's let's put a strong talent strategy together with our business strategy in order to achieve our goals. Right. And like the way I like to talk about it and it's, you know, I always go back to sports. So apologies for people that don't like sports metaphors, but to (laughs) me, we had a really great defense on the, on the field in our, you know, in our HR world and, and, and our people world at Swinerton, but I wanted to put some offense on the field, you know, let's put the full team out on the field and let's really start, start thinking strategically and how we can gain, gain an advantage as a business, um, you know, by strong talent management practices. So um, that's where I got really interested in it and sort of made that, that pivot after business school. And what can women do in construction? What roles suit them best? I would say anything they want. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe, I fundamentally don't believe there's a particular role that's best suited for a, for a woman or a man. Um, I think any role could be a great fit, you know, depending on what it is they like to do, um, you know, their abilities, their competencies. Um, so I don't know that, that there's any best suited role. I think they, could, they can do it all. I think within the female gender, even within the female gender, there's all types of diversity and ways of thinking and expressing ourselves and approaching problems and personality types and backgrounds and experiences. And to me, it's all of those factors that can drive role fit, not necessarily gender. Um, so, so yeah, I think women can do anything they want. And how do you find the best construction workers at Swinerton? What's, what's your strategy? Every company could define best differently, right? So. Right. For, for me and the way I look at it and the way we look at it at Swinerton is I'm not sure it's as much as about best as it is about the talent that is most aligned with, with our core values and the mindsets that are fundamental um, for Swinerton, right? And, in, mm-hmm. and ensuring that we have 
diverse talent in all senses of the word in order to create complementary teams across the company. So that's kind of how we look at talent. We've got core values and our core characteristics, um, which articulate in action how we live out those values. So I think looking for talent that aligns with those core characteristics is really critical. Um, we've got some sort of fundamental mindsets or attributes. We have a thing called a career blueprint. It's it's more like a leadership competency model. Again, we'll go down that rabbit hole. But some of the some of the um, the mindsets that are that we look for to be fundamental across our organization, no matter if you've had zero years of experience or fifty years of experience, are things like persistence, good attitude, respectful, competitive, team player, your proactive learner. So those are the things that we really look for as as quote best. Right? It's just a good. Mm-hmm. A, a good match with our organization and the way we want to deliver um, service to our clients and the way we want to partner with our partners. So as far as, you know, how we could better appeal to a female audience, you know, there's a lot of things. Um, I think, you know, to me, it would be interesting to do a compare and contrast to adjacent industries where more women do seem to go. So I, um, there's the commercial real estate industry, I think is about 37% female, right? Versus 10%, mm-hmm. 10% in construction. Well, why is that, right? They're extremely adjacent, right? But they're not <laughs> the same. And so why are, why are much more women flocking to commercial real estate than construction? So I think there's something worth looking into there. Um, and, and then th- pulling out, you know, what is it that we can say, hey, we can offer similar stuff. Uh, you know, in construction, I think more transparency and specificity around career opportunity and compensation would be very helpful, um, depending on the company you get in with, the ownership structure, the profitability and, and um, success of the company. There's there's real opportunity in this business. And I'm just not sure that people that aren't exposed to this business through family know anything about it or, or know that there's opportunity in it. So I think being really transparent and and advertising the opportunity in the comp um, is important. I think getting more young girls involved um, in building things with their hands early on, uh, more females, Mm -hmm. more females in the industry talking um, again and specifically about what they enjoy um, about working in construction. And I think being specific is really important. What is that experience like? It seems like every single child is fascinated by construction, girls and boys. They love it. You know, they want to read about it. They want to read the same construction book over and over. They want to stop. They want to look at it. They want to point out the tractor. And somewhere that gets lost, right? Due to all the mm-hmm. influences, all the influences that happen over the next, you know, 10, 15 years of your life. And I think it's understanding what are those influencers and how can we influence that? And one of the things that I've talked a lot about is, is parents. You know, my parents were a huge influence on me. And Parents typically have huge influence on their children. How can we better educate parents who aren't directly connected to the industry about the opportunities in this business? So when their child expresses interest in construction, instead of being apprehensive about it, they're, they're excited and encouraging about it. You previously mentioned that women can be whatever they want to be in the construction industry. But in spite of all that progress that has been made, there still are many stereotypes in the industry when it comes to a person's gender. How can we stand tall in the face of all school stereotypes and stigma? 
Yeah. I mean, again, kind of going right back to resilience. That's why it's just so important. But to me, it simply comes down to leading by example, right? And as a woman, just continuing to actively demonstrate the value that you add daily in your actions, your behaviors, your contributions, and your results, that's what changes minds and dispels myths, in my opinion. It's just, we have opportunities every single day to just prove the value that we bring and and the proof is in the pudding. So just keep doing what you're doing um, and delivering value. And I think that does change minds over time. Um, and again, it you've got to be resilient. There's going to be a lot of periods, and I think this is for men and women, but probably particularly women, where it's going to be easy to, to feel discouraged or to get discouraged. And I heard a great, um, a great, I read a great article the other day about discouragement and overcoming discouragement. And I think the two things that you can really lean on are vision, you know, remembering your why. Why did you get in this business in the first place, right? Go back right. to when it was exciting. And then community, right? Creating a team that can support one another, pick each other up, rally each other. And, you know, I, I think that's where we've got a, um, a women's business resource group at, at Swinnerton. And I think just finding that community of other females can be really helpful, you know, when you're feeling discouraged. And then another thing that's always really helped me uh, when I start to feel discouraged comes from one of my favorite Peloton instructors. Uh, but it's stop asking, why is this happening to me? And instead ask, why is this happening for me, right? And find growth in those moments. Interesting of twist, yeah. Yeah, and you, and you can, there's always growth in those moments of frustration. And I think that if we can do this um, and we can continue to just have that resilience and add that value every single day um, as a collective and show our strength over time, I, I think those myths will become a thing of the past. And how does more diversity on a construction job site help teams solve their problems better? Do you have a personal example? Um, a personal example, I think, you know, I mean, you read all the reasons why diversity is important. Um, you know, just everybody thinks differently, approaches problems differently, has different experiences and ideas. Some people are more practical thinkers. Some people are more high level, you know, creative way out of imaginative thinkers. And all of that tends to balance each other and come up with the best solution. Um, I think when I look back over the, the teams that I've been on, both as a, we'll say, corporate employee, but even as a project manager, um, I have seen that at work. I, you know, I, I think, again, it just all comes down to everybody's brains think differently. And, and when there's a problem, and we know there's problems every single day, every single hour on job sites, when the project team is coming together and everybody's kind of throwing out their ideas and saying, oh, but did you think about this? And what would we do about that? I think, again, you're just going to, you're going to come up with the best solution. So I'm sure I could pull a specific example of, you know, something that our team designed on a job that wasn't working. In fact, I know of many, um, but I think it's just everybody coming at that problem from a different angle is what creates right. the best solution. And what is your advice to women looking to start a career in construction? Um, I would give the same advice to, to men and women. Um, I don't okay. know that it's specific to, to women, but I think, you know, be ready for hard work. It's definitely hard work. I think, you know, specific to women, um, you know, don't, don't try to be someone or something you're not, you know, don't, don't try to be a man. I, you know, I feel like sometimes in my career, I have, I have seen women um, almost overcorrect to try to be aggressive or, 
you know, pounding the table. And, and, and I just don't think that that's necessary or productive. You know, I think, you know, as women or just as humans, <laughs> we all have a lot of unique strengths and it's about bringing those strengths to the table exactly. and highlighting those strengths. Don't try to, to be someone else. Right. So I would say that to women, I would say that to men, um, but particularly women who feel like they need to overcorrect. Um, it, it, I wouldn't do it. Um, I think being vocal, you know, it is a, a, a industry where you need to be able to speak up and have a voice, um, which sometimes I think is can be a little more challenging for females in a male dominated world. Um, I would say definitely make sure you're building relationships with all employees, you know, men, women, craft, admin, whoever. Um, but, you know, try not to just flock to, to one group, but just build build relationships all around. Uh, really leverage the strengths and highlight the strengths that we bring as, as females, particularly some of those emotional intelligence skills like empathy and receptiveness. And then, you know, find your confidence. We talked a little bit about confidence earlier, but projecting confidence is going to be important. And if that's something that you struggle with, again, as, as a male or a female, but sometimes um, women seem to, to struggle a little more, think about a time when you were when you were confident. Right. And try to mm -hmm. recreate what it was that made you feel confident and channel that. Right. And what, you know, was it practice? Was it knowing people? Was it a unique skill that you added to the team? But try to recreate that environment so you can find that confidence, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. Going back to the labor market, how would you describe the construction labor market nowadays? Are projects being delayed because there are not enough skilled workers? Yeah. I mean, the, the labor market's extremely tight. Um, and I think it's even tighter as the work is is specialized into a specific market or a unique skill set. Um, so it's definitely a tight market. You know, I haven't heard and I am not as close to operations these days as I used to be, but I haven't heard of projects actually being delayed due to a lack of workers. However, I, I have heard that the ability of a general contractor to show that they have a strong and stable and skilled labor force is becoming a big selection factor, right? Mm -hmm. and, and an owner selecting a GC. So I think it's really important um, to, to have that so that we can show that for our clients and give them that peace of mind, right? That, that we've mm -hmm. got a strong and skilled and stable workforce. What I'd love to see is, is some type of industry skilled craft share app, like Uber or Lyft for skilled <laughs> craft, you know, where we can, because you hear a lot of times, especially like with the concrete finishers, they know their work is cyclical, right? So mm -hmm. they're working for us for a couple of days. They're working for, you know, one of our peers for a couple of days and then another one of our peers for a couple of days. And that's great for them. You know, we want those guys to have stable work and be busy, you know? So I do think, you know, in my head, there, there's gotta be some um, industry solution here. I think sometimes when we have challenges in our industry, whether it's labor or DEI, all of us feel like we've got to take on this problem alone, you know, like Swinnerton has to solve the problem, but some of these things can't be solved by any one company. And I, I think there are um, more industry solutions that, that would benefit us all. And I think the skilled, the, the labor market is certainly an area that would be good for discussion. An app would definitely be another brilliant business idea. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Um, one of the different strategies to address the labor shortage is, is recruiting young workers who have recently graduated from high school or community colleges. What is your opinion on this? Because the industry needs trained people. It's a skilled labor shortage, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that's exactly what I was going to point out. I was going to say, you know, it's an essential strategy, but it's a long term strategy. You know, if you pluck someone out of high school or out of community college or trade school or wherever, um, it's it's a four year apprenticeship, whether you're in the union or even as a non-union, um, you know, or, or open shop employee, you've still got to go through four years of training. Um, and then even at that point, as you journey out, um, you're still working on mastering productivity. Right. And so mm-hmm. you're looking at five, six, seven years before you have exactly what you're talking about, a, a skilled, you know, a truly skilled um, workforce. So it doesn't necessarily fix the problem today or over the next few years. It's certainly a solid strategy that needs to happen in perpetuity for any company to be successful over time. Um, but I think, you know, I, as far as fixing the issue today, I mean, I feel like the best thing that we can do continue to pump people into the market. Um, maybe there's some industry sharing there that would help us all solve the problem, but I think we're going to see technology continue to try to address mm-hmm. that problem, right? You know, we're already seeing robotic layout, robotic drywall finishing, robotic shotcrete. <laughs> so I think the more we have a shortage, the more we're going to see people trying to pick up that gap with technology. And then I think something we're focusing on heavily at Swinerton is just labor productivity. You know, how can we work smarter? Right. Not necessarily harder, not necessarily more hours, but how can we work smarter? And I think there's some technologies that can also help um, with that, as well as training, you know, just making sure everyone understands, like when you're laying out your material, you know, think about it in a way that's going to make you productive. Right. And so I think just thinking about how we work smarter is going to be really important um, as well. Tell us a few details about your employee development programs. What is Swinerton doing to attract and retain talent in this industry? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is something right now we're really making a big bet on. We're we're going all in. Um, and again, I know we don't have time to go down the rabbit hole of everything that we're doing. But, you know, one thing we're really doing is emphasizing our employee ownership opportunities. We're really proud of, of our employee ownership model. And we're excited to see more of our craft um, employees becoming voting shareholders. And all of our non-union employees, craft admin, are our employee owners. So, we're really talking a lot about with potential talent, um, the ownership opportunities uh, at Swinerton. We're also uh, taking a look at a more customized approach to employee benefits and well-being. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. different and everybody has different needs. And how can we be a little more customized and flexible to the needs um, of the talent that's out there so that we can attract that talent? But the biggest part, I would say, is the huge investment that we've made in employee development. So we have what we call a a Builder 6 program, which is six development programs that can follow someone over the course of their career. So the very first program starts when you enter into the the company, you know, right out of college or right out of high school. And the very last, you know, the last program, uh, we've got division managers and vice presidents of our company in. So it's really cool to see a, a, a development you know, Builder 6 program, the six of those programs span a career, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. like we focus on it in the first 10 years and then you're done. We've also got uh, a targeted foreman development program in place. It's a two-year, 20-module program. We're doing the same thing with a superintendent development program. We created a peak leadership profile and a, a career blueprint that starts to help people think about what competencies they need to be developing over time in their careers We've put, um, we're starting to put a, a manager as a coach program in place across the company. We've got mentorship programs in place. 
uh, for our craft employees and are starting to scale those across the company. We're doing a lot of work with uh, 360s uh, and debriefing our employees on 360 reviews. And those 360s are matched to that peak leader profile. And then we've also put what we're calling strategic talent partners and field talent partners in every one of our regions and divisions to help with individual employee development, amongst other things in the talent space, but specifically focusing on targeted individual employee development. So we're making a big bet in this space, but we think it'll pay off. And are all these programs helping you reduce your recruiting costs? Are they working in, in this direction? I think so. I mean, they, they, cause I think, you know, we, we hear a lot from the talent. What are you doing for your employees or for employee development? And when we can lay that out on the table and they can see real tangible facts, yeah, numbers, figures, <laughs> exactly. And real resources in place and real action behind the words, you can tell that really means something. I mean, they, they'll say it, you know, when we lay that all out. So I think that's been a huge factor. I, honestly, I don't know that we do enough to, um, to advertise it sort of in general, But we certainly, when we're talking to talent, it's something we talk a lot about and it's been been really helpful for us. So um, yeah, that that's certainly something that that helps us attract talent. What are your expectations for this year? Will will the construction labor shortage improve? Um, I don't think it's gonna turn around within <laughs> the year. Um, I, I would like to be optimistic and say that over the coming years, we'll see an upswing of, of interest in the industry. Um, but I think for 2022, we're still going to stay in a pretty, pretty tight market um, and it, it may get tighter. Uh, I think, you know, and everything else going on in the present moment, you know, geopolitically speaking, now you've got mm -hmm. inflation to deal with. You've got energy costs on the rise. I, you know, that that's going to have a big impact on the business uh, in 2022. I think, again, I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I think as this labor shortage continues, we're going to see more technology entering the space more than we already do. Um, so I think we'll continue to see that grow um, more, more focus on labor productivity and, and how we can use technology in that space. But I think one of the things that I think a lot about is speed is essential for, for our clients, right? The ability to get a building done, you know, yes, it needs to be safe. Of course it needs to be high quality um, and it needs to be on budget, but to be able to do that and go fast, right? <laughs> speed, speed is of the essence for our clients. But at the same time, a lot of the work being done on a construction site is physical work being done by human beings, you know? And so we have to find a way to be able to still deliver the speed that our clients need and deliver that value without working our craft employees seven days a week, 365 days a year. Right. It's just not sustainable, right? It's, it's physical human work and it's not sustainable to work like that. So I think that's going to be something we'll really have to, to think about because um, with the labor shortage, it's going, it's going to, people are going to want to do that more, right? Okay. Well, we'll just work you longer and harder and we'll work seven days a week instead of six days a week. And that's just not the right answer. <laughs> so it's not sustainable long-term, right? Sustainable. So I, I think that um, it will, we'll see more creative solutions in this space and I'm excited about it. It's just another, another problem to solve. Thank you, Lauren, for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for listening and don't forget to visit multihousingnews.com for the latest news, trend stories, and podcasts. Mm -hmm.